Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. Hey, welcome back to Roadcase, everybody. This is your host, Josh Rosenberg. I am so psyched to be here for this episode. So glad you're along for the ride. I was able to sit down with S.G. Goodman last week, and I'm really excited to share that interview with you. In the meantime, I want to remind everybody that there's a couple of different ways that you can get involved with the Roadcase community. We really rely on the support of you listeners. A uh, really quick and easy way is to follow us on socials. Our handle is at RoadcasePod. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at info at roadcasepod.com. If you'd like to find out more information about the show, you can visit our website at www.roadcasepod.com. Another quick and easy way to support Roadcase is to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. If you're on Spotify, that little box that says follow, just click that. If you're on Apple Podcasts, there's a check mark up in the upper right-hand corner. Just click that, and by doing that on those two platforms and other platforms, you'll get regular updates when new episodes come into the world. It's a really great way to stay in touch with Roadcase. Another great way to show your support for Roadcase, and we really rely on you listeners to do this, is to rate and review Roadcase on your listening platform. For example, if you're on Spotify, just under that little follow box, there's a box with some stars. You just click on that. If you're on Apple Podcasts, scroll up a little bit. You'll see some stars. Click on a bunch of those, and you can leave a review there. We really rely on you listeners for that and appreciate your support. So let's get down to this. I was able to sit down with S.G. Goodman. She is a Kentucky-based artist, grew up in Hickman, Kentucky, lives now nearby, nearby Murray, Kentucky. She is actually true to her Kentucky roots. Her first album, released in 2020, entitled Old Time Feeling, was produced by Jim James of My Morning Jacket. You can note by that date that she was unable to tour at that time due to the pandemic. Now she was on her, she is on her first headlining tour in support of her most recent second album, Teeth Marks. It's just an amazing album. I've enjoyed listening to it so much, and I know that you will too. I was able to sit down with SG at the Chicago venue Shuba's prior to her gig last week, and we just had a really amazing chat. SG is simply a lovely human biting and with a biting and sarcastic sense of humor. She speaks on a variety of different topics, many of which are covered in a very personal fashion on this latest album. SG's just a unique gem of an artist and human. Uh, her cutting wit and easy way with words not only comes forth loud and clear during this interview, but also on stage. She weaves tales with the best of them. Uh, it's delightful, at times poignant, and at other times simply hilarious, but always with a deep sense of compassion and love. Her band is simply stellar, and the live show was phenomenal, and you could actually hear a pin drop at times, and it was a really amazing and deeply moving experience. I know you really love this chat I had with SG. I'm so glad that you're along for this one. And thank you so much for being here. It means so much to me and the rest of us at Roadcase. And I want to send a special thank you to SG Goodman for being here on this episode of Roadcase. 
and here we go. Okay, I'm here at Shuba's Tavern in Chicago in the green room. SG Goodman. SG, how are you doing? So good to see you. Well, it's a, it's a beautiful day here in Chicago. I made it in from, where was I? Somewhere Santa Ana <laughs> on the West Coast last night at O'Hare. And yeah, I got a good show coming up here tonight. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Welcome to my green room. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks for having me. This is great. Uh, you were at Ohana Fest, right? We talked about, talked about California mm-hmm. a little bit. You had yeah. A tough, tough place to tour, you were saying. Yeah, for sure. I mean, people are great there, obviously, but uh, it is a little tough unless you're in, a, a, I guess, a bus or a private jet. But, um, you know, my my uh, Mississippi <laughs> River humidity-loving self, it, it, I take it hard out there. But, yeah, I flew out to uh, hardly strictly bluegrass oh, first right. in that San too. Francisco. Yeah, yeah. And, a beautiful spot. And then we drove over to Ohana Fest, and both of them were just uh, – Really great experiences. I've played a lot of festivals this year, and, and those were a lot of fun. Yeah, you were at Newport too, right? I was at Newport, um, all kinds. Yeah, I was saying I caught your set, the late night set. Uh, you opened for Deer Tick at the Blues Cafe. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, it was, that was a trip. Um, I played there as a, an official artist the year before, um, and I got to come back this year as like a, a little secret set here or there and yeah it was a lot of fun who was, was that secret great. set with well the secret set was me actually ah, um okay. i did that and um and then yeah i did the uh, after party show i sat in with a couple of friends of mine uh maddie diaz sat in with with her on a song we did a um a cover there uh and also I played with or set in on a song with mm-hmm. Lucius. Nice. California band. Uh-huh. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They live in Highland Park in LA. And, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever you say. <laughs> Too specific. You know, yeah. right. we were talking earlier about how I'm from LA and you're like, no, no that's yeah, a no for you. No. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to see you out in the hipster area in, uh, I mean, I've uh, been, Echo Park and anytime soon I'm um, hanging out at the coffee shops there. You know, I, you never I, say never. I mean, when I made my first album or my debut album, Old Time Feeling, I flew out there to mix it um, with Jim James and Kevin Ratterman. And yeah. I met them in Echo Park and I was so broke at the time. <laughs> yeah. I borrowed $250 from a friend for emergencies. Shit. And uh, I took a, uh, a Uber to where we met up for some tacos. And, you know, like I said, I was broke and I didn't have anything else to do for the rest of the day. And I was staying in West Hollywood. And I looked on the map, and I was like, oh, what is it, like five miles? That ain't going to be too bad. I'll walk that. <laughs> oh, it, it, <laughs> it took me like 12 hours. Oh my you know, God. I was tired of shit. I think the last like 15 minutes of the, I only had about 15 or 20 minutes left, and I did break down. And I was like, it can't be as expensive from here. But I walked all the way down that road. You walked from West Hollywood to Echo Park. Oh, from Echo Park to West Hollywood. Like, oh, I, on I, like I got, Sunset, basically. Exactly. I followed Sunset all the way down. I just pulled oh, up the maps and I was like, well, this makes sense. I'll just do that. And you it, saw a lot of LA. You know LA maybe better than I do at this point. <laughs> I know enough to know that it, it you <laughs> to know. Never do that again. Never do that <laughs> again. Yeah. I learned a lot. 
I lost my innocence that day, you could say. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Maddie Diaz on the show, actually. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I was telling nice. you I was at Newport doing interviews there. So she's one of the part of the Newport interview series that I did. She is wonderful. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and her that, that album, History of a Feeling, is amazing. Yeah, she's world class yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, she was great. We had a we had a really good chat talking. Yeah, she's she's awesome. I'm a little pissed at her to be honest because uh, oh, she opened up for Harry Styles, and you know I don't I haven't listened to Harry's music or whatever. I did on a flight back from uh, England, saw a movie, and I recognized a face on there. I guess it. Uh, I guess he's an actor. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he's in some movie now. My twenty-year-old daughter is super keeps me apprised. Apparently, of all the everybody Styles, is though. because as soon as I told Maddie congratulations for opening for Harry yeah. on Instagram, all I have is fucking Harry Styles shit on my Instagram. Now. Uh, it's like nobody. <laughs> it's like good for you, but I did not ask for this. It's he's everywhere. You mean like the algorithm? The like, algorithm. All it's like okay, so apparently you, you, you like whispered Harry Styles' name, and all I have are these. My Discover, it used to be filled with like, you know, linen sheet ads, uh, right. kitchen appliances, yeah. just things that I was actually interested in. And right. now, you know, I'm good for him. Apparently, he's doing well. Apparently, everybody knows who he is. I just yeah. don't want him on my Instagram all the and time. How do you undo that stuff? You know, I had been thinking about getting some rain boots. I'm looking at your boots. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I love leather boots for, but I just sort of want, I have a dog. I go in the park. Uh-huh. I want to get like some rain. So the Blundstone boots, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. You get them in like REI. You just pull them on. They're easy, waterproof. This is not an ad, but can be. I yeah. mean, go ahead and get some. They're I'm going to cool, say Blundstone a few times. Maybe it'll cover up the Harry style shit on. I got <laughs> yeah so so wait the point was was that i know i never typed it in i never uh-huh. searched for it in instagram or anything or anything else and all of a sudden i'm getting blundstone ads when i scroll through my feed in instagram they're yeah. listening oh yeah they're, they're listening i get that stuff all the time that is so bizarre and just totally disturbing by the way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> god for sure um well, talking about Maddie's new album, your new album, uh, Teeth Marks, came out in early June. It's just absolutely wonderful. I love it. Thank you. I love it. Um, it's Shit. gosh, uh, wow. How's that? It's been. I know you worked on that album earlier, like in 2020, right? And and it seemed like mm-hmm. and that's a, a long time has passed. But how's that feel? Eventually, now having that out in the world, touring behind it talking about it what's that what's that impact it's been on you because it's very personal and you talk mm-hmm. about so many amazing subjects that i'd like to cover here as well and talk about those but putting it out yeah i mean you know a lot of people ask me uh how it felt to put out old time feeling and 2020 Mm. and i really didn't know what to mourn until now that i have the experience of actually getting to support an album like teeth marks now i fully realize what i really missed out on with old time feeling because i've been able to one you know uh do a lot of press live i've i've been able to to follow it up with an actual tour or to go into studios and and do different things around Mm -hmm. it. And also, most important, get to interact with real people who have been enjoying it. Yeah. And so it's it's been a real, you know, moment of uh, kind of simultaneously mourning, um, I guess, kind of what I – 
have learned I missed out on with old time feeling, but also just getting to really be aware of what's happening with this album. And um, so it's all in all a very positive thing. And I'm glad to know that people have have appreciated it. And yeah, I did. I started, you know, I was writing stuff for it in 2020, but I didn't really uh, my manager and I, we, we like to do little rituals and stuff. And, uh, you know, we tell each other a lot of times our New Year's resolutions. And mm-hmm. I'll get a wild hair early in the morning, about 5 o'clock. I have to wait till he wakes up and then call him. And I have a lot of plans. And so one morning early, yeah. January of 2021, I said, I'm going to make an album. I don't have anything else to do. I don't know when this is all going to let up. I've mm. got about... I don't know. I think I probably had about six songs at that point that could have been something. I said, I'm going to push myself. Uh, February, I'm going to go in. I'm going to do a little taste test of uh, the engineer I was thinking of working with and try to, you know, do some demo in or something, see if I want to work in the studio. And next thing I know that we had a big snow and I couldn't make it down to Athens, Georgia. And I decided to uh, just say, you know what? I'm going to make this album. I don't need a taste test. I'm going to do it there. I'm going to do it with that guy. And I'm going to finish the album. And so that's what I did. And nobody asked for it. (laughs) Not my label, not my manager. Nobody asked for me to, you know, do that. Um, But You mean to get it done so quickly? or uh, Just to do it in general. At all? Yeah, I wasn't being pressured by anybody to put out another album. I hadn't oh. got to do anything with the first one. Yeah, yeah. But, um, you know, I just figured when I was able to go out into the world again, um, I wanted something new, even for myself. So there we yeah. go. Yeah, but mm-hmm. meaning that you wanted something new, but you had these songs already in your, uh, you know, either, either demos or they were songs that you were going to eventually put out. I mean, um, not really. That's what I'm saying. Like Teeth Marks, a lot of those songs weren't finished or written until 2021. Some of them were written many years before 2021. Mm. But, you know, the whole album as a whole, like, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think. I feel like I went into the studio once in May or June, I think maybe June of 2021. Um and I wrote a couple songs right before I went in there. Right. So, yeah. So some of them very old. Some of them were kind of studio magic or um, kind of come home and get inspired, throw something down on a piece of paper and yeah. tell the boys, let's go. Yeah. Well, I mean, putting it out there and being able to tour behind it certainly is needs is, I would imagine, validating or you know, reflecting of a kind of a feeling of maybe of relief or being able to put these really deep subjects that are obviously so important to you, have them out into the world and back them up with presenting them live. What impact does that have on you? Yeah. You know, it's, I think those are shoes I'm kind of growing into because, uh, I mean, I, I know a lot of artists comment on this, but um, I'm on my first headlining tour right now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's a funny thing when uh, the last few years I've mostly been an opener. And an opener in much, much bigger rooms than mm. I'm playing on this headlining tour. Yeah. And I am so proud 
to pack out these rooms. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it, there's a bit of imposter syndrome going on with, um, and also a sense of, oh my God, there's somebody mouthing the words of my song. I can't forget them. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, there's yeah. there, it's like a different sense of uh, responsibility right now. Interesting. And uh, also, uh, at the same time, a lot of of guilt of not being able to share with the people who are coming to see you who drove from their house that night and explain, like, I've been on the road since March, and I'm really tired. And it's so sweet of you to say these things to me right now outside this venue, but um, I can't put a sentence together. Yeah, there's you know, that aspect too, right? But let's go back mm-hmm. to the room. You're filling rooms and the contrast between opening for larger venues where perhaps no one's ever, some people may not have heard of you up to that point. I'm uh-huh. sure you had a, a set of fans in those rooms, but packing out a room like this one with people that are only here to see you, what impact does that have on you reflecting on what you were saying? Yeah, just, uh, you know, kind of sort of going back to what I was saying about a new sense of responsibility when you're an mm-hmm. opener your job is to win people over. And obviously it, there's a sense that maybe you've sort of done that if they bought the ticket to your show right. already. Yep. But then you have to, you know, you still feel like uh, a, sense, a sense of, you know, they decided to do this and show up and have this moment uh, between us and I owe them a good show no matter if, you know, I'm tired or or whatever I want to make sure that there is a a I guess a reciprocal um kind of honor going back and forth there. So yeah. it's a, it is a different responsibility mm. and, a, and it feels uh a, it feels heavier. Sounds like you come at it from a different perspective. There's one winning over versus knowing that they already know you and you've won them over by having them come. Mm-hmm. Uh that sort of responsibility of knowing that you need to play, need to play the show and it's more is it more about the live performance at that point or is it about projecting those songs and that that those amazing thoughts you've had quote unquote in terms of songs that are on the album yeah i mean you know if you come to an sg goodman show you're gonna see a lot of talking you're gonna see a lot of playing yeah i'm a uh, they call me a banterer. <laughs> I got a lot of. I got a Good lot stage to say. banter. I can attest. I, I can. I can. Uh, I can confirm that. Well, it, I just you know it's it's funny because a lot of my songs and subject matter are are, are pretty heavy, mm. and and even in the last few years when I played shows here or there or whatever, I know that people um, think of me in that aspect. Because I've been at my merch table and I've had conversations with people. And even though I'm really proud of the fact that there are people who really get what I'm saying and it has an impact on them. um, From another perspective, I'm a pretty goofy person. Mm -hmm. Very sarcastic, which is like uh, some people... Um, might describe that more as just being like a grade A smart ass, you know? And so those are elements of my personality that I think um, not having an opening slot allows me to go into more and actually get to have a conversation with the audience while I'm playing the show. You know, it's kind of interactive and it's something I've enjoyed. And um, 
and am enjoying and learning how to navigate and read a room yeah, yeah in a yeah. different way. So I see that. Yeah. So uh-huh. maybe you've won them over. They're in the room. You're performing, but you also, here's an opportunity for you to really give your personality and let them, this is SG, this mm-hmm. is who I am, mm-hmm. um, here are my songs and this is my music, but there's also an individual behind this. I'm kind of a dicky smart ass, but, and you're going to get that. Yeah. And I, you know, <laughs> and I'm, I mean, I'm sentimental too. And, and there are moments where that can show. Of course, of course. But, you know, I like to pick on my bandmates and they're in on the joke. Yeah. And, um, but you know, it's, there's a lot of therapy going back and forth in in the performance for me and without you know having a time clock breathing down my neck with an opening slot yeah honestly i've i've i remember like the first headline show and i asked my managers how long do i have to play you know like i've never done <laughs> Wait, this do you, how long do you have to play like yeah. how long are you obliged to play or not how long do i have to play you know well it's 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 have to because <laughs> you you don't get a rule book you know i don't want to let anybody down and it's not like they're like well you have to play right. 90 minutes or whatever and so you know just figuring out like oh my goodness i can just get up here and tell about five stories or whatever I want to do. Nice. Like, this is my time. So you figure that, the, the story <laughs> yeah. time into the set, basically. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, just kind of getting my sea legs a little bit. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I tell people that that's the case. I don't act like I've ever done this before. <laughs> it's <laughs> you know? kind of, a, is it a little bit of an aw shucks kind of like, so you do you use the Southern charm to that effect? I mean... I don't ever say I use Southern charm to an all shucks effects. Uh, that's just who I am. I yeah. mean, it's, I don't really ever think of the way I act as like, okay, all right, now put on the Southern charm. I just am who I you am. You are just our Southernly <laughs> charming yeah. perhaps. So you, let's talk a little bit, a little about the, the Southern roots. You grew up in Western Kentucky, um, mm-hmm. in, uh, Hickman? Hickman. Is yeah. that right? The town of Hickman in Fulton County, yeah, on the Mississippi River. Wow. Mm-hmm. And wait, Mark Twain had written about Hickman, or was that a different town? Nope, that is the town. Uh, he said it was a pretty little town perched on a handsome hill in uh, Life on the Mississippi. Not, and um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Not too many towns that Mark Twain will talk about, so yeah, that's a feather in that cap. For sure. For sure. Um, but well, yeah, Hickman... Uh, it's a very small place, no like stoplight. I would imagine. No fast food, nothing like that. Probably uh-huh. less than probably around twenty five hundred people now. Yeah. Um and yeah, my I come from a farming background. My father and brother still farm together and um my grandfather farmed and yeah, so it's just uh, a lot of land, Mississippi River, beautiful place and proud of Growing up there, I was born right across the state line in Tennessee. Oh, okay. Um, I was, you know, raised on the state line, so I'm pretty much just as much Western Tennessee as as Western Kentucky, but, um, you know, from Hickman, the town. Farming. Your mm-hmm. parents were sharecroppers. Is that true? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Uh, what's, what, is, what does that actually entail? What does that mean? So they don't own the land. They just, they farm it and they get to keep part of the harvest or whatever. Yeah. So deal it's, like that. It, I mean, sharecropping, you know, my grandfather 
started out in the early 60s, which everybody, like his family and my grandmother's family, his wife, they all had like a family farm where they would homestead on. Like that was pretty typical of people of that era and that um, that particular place. Mm-hmm. But um, in the early 60s, he was working for a man by the name of Mr. Thomas. Mr. Thomas retired and my grandfather used uh, money he saved from the GI Bill and um, working with the TVA on a, a levy that protected the farmland from the river rising. He bought Mr. Thomas's farming equipment and mm-hmm. then he started renting the land that Mr. Thomas owned. Gotcha. So that's typically a sharecropper. And there's a lot of different business splits with how that, that works. Now, my dad, you know, my grandfather started with those 60 something acres. And mm-hmm. by the time he died, he was farming. He owned some land and he sharecropped land and he had about 10,000 acres. He grew a, a pretty impressive business. Wow. And he was a hard ass, hard working man. Yeah. And um, he had three sons, two daughters, uh-huh. and the sons all took over the farming operation. And like any good Southern tragedy, you know, the brothers couldn't get along. One of those brothers is my dad. Yeah. So my dad and my oldest brother still farm some of the land that was, um, you know, started by my grandfather. And we do own some property, but my dad still rents some property from other people. So technically, that is sharecropping. Oh, okay. and, um, so it can have different sorts. It can look different ways, basically. Well, it can look different ways. And not to bore the listeners here with like the technicalities of different uh, business splits up be- between uh, <sighs> farmers and landowners. But, you know, my dad is of a generation that we still farmed up until probably about eight years ago land on a handshake. Mm. And that means there's no legal document binding mm-hmm. you to them or them to you. And a lot of my dad's land, you can either do cash rent per acre, which means each acre is a particular amount of money that you owe the landowner no matter what the market does. Mm. But farming is based on a giant market, the Chicago Board of Trade, where we are currently. Right. And, um, you know, other deals that my dad and a lot of farmers would do would be um, let's say, uh, beans are at, I don't know, let's say they hit $7 a bushel. Okay. You make a particular deal with your landowner that if they, you get a third of whatever the profit is off of that field. Yeah. That would be another split. And then you could do another split. And that's be the last one I'll tell you about where <laughs> let's say the market was shit that year. And yeah. a lot of times it typically is right now. Yeah. Pretty good being that we're, you know, all in the throes of Russia invading Ukraine. Right. Um, so the whole world is feeling that. Yeah, um, everything's fucked up. But anyhow, you could say if the market was shit, then, uh, you owe me this amount of cash for the land per acre instead yeah. of having a third share. So those are kind of typical ways to to be a modern-day sharecropper. Yeah, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, those that might not know a lot about farming might think it's some sort of insular business where you're, you know, you 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 grow stuff and you sell it. But yeah, you're you just, really, really um, – uh, at the mercy of it's global glo- markets, it's a global, global politics, geopolitics, everything that's it. going on affects yeah. the prices of these um, mm-hmm. 
of the commodities in yeah. Chicago. Yeah. Politics. We can, we can pop right down to the Board of Trade down yeah. on, uh, um, what is that, uh, LaSalle and Jackson, I think Yeah. It no, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really wild uh, business that a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions over. Uh, like you said, it's the international markets, or they influence affect my family in Western Kentucky. So do, you know, obviously like everyone, national politics, tariffs, these types of things yeah. have great impact. It's just like right now, even though the market's good, uh, being that we're all in uh, probably going to be in a recession of the price of fertilizer and pesticides, herbicides, all these things, those are yeah. very high. Equipment prices are high. So right. it's not like, so your farmers are going to be, yeah, right. raking yeah. in yeah. the dough this year. <laughs> yeah, but it must have been interesting to grow up in that type of environment. Uh, not only that, um, your parents were, it was a religious environment, Southern Baptist environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're gay, mm-hmm. and that coming out as gay in that type of environment must have been just incredibly difficult for you. What was that environment like growing up for you from a from a religious standpoint? Mm-hmm. I know you spent a lot of time in church and you sang in church. Um, so from a musical standpoint, it was uh, clearly had an impact on you. But from a socio, from a societal standpoint, and how you grew up mm-hmm. and what your own you know personal direction was, what was that like for you? You know. Um I wasn't uh, out to most people in my life um, until I was in my early 20s. So as far as my childhood, what that was like, uh, there was not a lot of even acknowledgement about that part of myself to me, from me. So I wasn't Mm. really, I wouldn't say. So it didn't affect really your your. Your early childhood. No, I wouldn't say that but at all. There was all. an environment there, that carried through until you got into your when you got into your twenties. Well, sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's kind of a situation, and I I like to um, kind of go about it this way. Um, you know, mostly in my career, I think a lot of my subject matter is being an insider to a place that a lot of outsiders make judgment calls on. Yeah, I don't really like to super focus on uh, a lot of the negative aspects of probably, you know, what people would assume was my experience or others in those places because the South and rural places are a lot more complex than that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people um, have no room in today's society for any sort of context to someone's situation or why people believe in a certain way. And that goes, you know, uh, as much as, a person might assume that this would be a really good opportunity for me to talk about kind of like the negative aspects of growing up in a super conservative fundamentalist environment. Right. Um, I'll be the first to tell you from a small rural place that I've seen the church um, do just as much good as bad. I've seen them feed my neighbors. I've seen them um, take care of people's rent, get people out of bad situations. It's a very complex and nuanced relationship with the people around it including myself mm-hmm. and so um obviously i'm i'm not a practice in uh anything I, I keep my spirituality pretty personal and and have my own ideas about things 
Um, but as far as like the impact on me when it comes to my childhood or something, the church is is where I learned how to sing. It's where I learned how to appreciate melody. It's where I learned how to understand, you know, complexity with the idea of, you know, faith, hope, and love. And even though those things don't mean the same for me as people in the congregation I grew up in, mm. um, I would say that um, I'm thankful for the situation I was raised in. That's That's what I would rather talk about, you know. Yeah, I mean, not to like stir up shit or anything, but mm-hmm. in reading, you know, doing research and trying to understand where you're coming from. And I every journalist puts gay Southern farmer's daughter as a headline. No, I don't know. I don't know. I, did, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't keep tally marks, but um, I do. there was a it's vibe a there. They're, they do. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so, well, let's correct that then. Um, you know. Uh, you, 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 um, you did something with Becca Moncari at one point. I talked yeah. to Becca. She had a really hard time coming out with her parents to her, to her parents. That was really difficult. How was that experience for you? Yeah, I don't really. And talk- I acknowledge, let me just, uh, yeah, I acknowledge go that you got a lot of positives from, um, uh, growing up in that, in that environment. And I, and I really respect that. And I take a lot from that also personally, I'm trying to understand exactly how you, how you grew up in the values, um, uh, some of the benevolent, um, things yeah. that they've done, love your neighbor, help out, mm-hmm. um, all those kind of great things. Um, and we don't need to go into this. If you didn't have a hard time with that, that's fine. But I'm just curious because I read that there was some issues there and perhaps that was just something interesting that may, that may have come up. So I'm wondering, um, are they as benevolent from, from accepting those that choose to live their lives in ways that might be different than theirs? I mean, Obviously, you know, I have, it's a funny thing, like talking about, um, the way people are framed in the press. Mm -hmm. There's nothing about what you've read about me that isn't true. Um, and I, I think it's funny. I've spoken to this actually a few times recently. I'm not ashamed at all of being a queer woman from the South, queer farmer's daughter, whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, like my friend Becca, um, who I love having conversations with this, feel comfortable uh, talking about our experiences with, you know, a lot of of, of queer people, um, it's more in their personality to want to talk about those things about themselves. And it's not in mine. It is something that, um, you know, it it's like, let's see. You know, I don't think in any way I'm necessarily a poster child of what even the queer community thinks uh, an out queer person should um, act like. Mm-hmm. Not that there are rules, but there seem to be society societal like expectations of what that should look like, what you should be willing to talk with people about. Like I feel a lot of like, uh, tell me your coming out story. And it's like, it, it feels a bit like trauma porn that I'm asked to Mm. interact with a lot. Mm. Not that those things aren't significant for certain people to maybe be aware of, but I don't really find it beneficial to me or listeners to know certain aspects about my story. Okay. You know, and so I don't typically go into certain aspects of what that has meant like for me. And to be blunt, because I mean, 
I totally get your question. Totally think it's fair. All right. Sure. In, in a way. Mm-hmm. And fair is complicated word there. Yeah. A fair it's fair a, is debatable. A, a fair <laughs> as in it, it, you've seen it, it's known, but it's kind of like this. It's kind of like if I've, if you've seen it said, and I've, I've, you've seen me quoted saying things like I've experienced trauma around this thing, or this was a hard moment in life. Probably if you haven't seen any further details than that, that means that probably I'm not going to give them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's because I don't believe, and I, I strongly, strongly don't believe that people who have fought to make it to where I'm in a safe place to even admit to you that I'm gay, yeah, really wanted a future for people like myself where when I'm written about in the press, they say that I'm a gay artist. I should just be able to be an artist at this point. Absolutely. And I know that's not why we're there, which is why I think your questions are still important Mm -hmm. as far as representation and things. Yeah. But I'm kind of at the point where I'd like to start living in the future and honoring people's work with that. You know what I mean? Let's do it. Let's do it for sure. Yeah. I mean, I guess one of the reasons I totally understand what you're saying. I respect that. Mm -hmm. I take a lot away. I take a lot away from what you're saying. Mm Mm-hmm. The trauma, porn, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. wanting to write that story. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of gay artists that um, that have a story around that, and it's mm-hmm. affected them, and they don't mind talking about it. So exactly. I, I apologize mm-hmm. if I, like, went no, over the line on that didn't. or anything with you. I, I, it's, it's a hard space for me to be. Uh, for sure. I, it's hard for me to – to be honest with you, it's um, – I, I try to tread lightly because I don't want to step on any toes. And mm. I believe that every individual is can is has every right to be who they want to be and celebrated for that. Absolutely. For sure. And that, and that's that's the complexity around it, right? Because yeah. I was yeah. actually just talking to another reporter today and I was saying, Listen, man, I'm in the clickbait world too. Yeah. I get it yeah. from a person who's trying to get people to read their article or also be seen as a writer who cares about being inclusive. All these things are very important, and I get we all have the things we have to reach for in our work, and you included. It's just I do think, like, for the artists who are really okay with telling all the aspects of their personal stories, that's great. I just don't have to be one of them. And I think it's important for me to say that. Cool, yeah, absolutely. So... Um, I don't mean this to be in any weird way, but you talk about trauma on your album. What is, um, what's that trauma about? It's, it's such an interesting subject. And I want to talk about this storing trauma in one's body and how that can have a negative, uh, absolutely has a negative effect over time. Yeah. And you talk about that. And I think that's a fantastic subject to talk about. Um, Let's go there. I mean, yeah. I, I, I sort of, I connected a little bit of dots, okay? Yeah. Because of your background, mm-hmm. because your you own official bio says cover. queer indie S, uh, uh, musician, S.G. Goodman, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's disconnect those dots. Let's connect them in a different way. I saw the album cover. We're putting, yeah, I was just, I was kidding with pu- you. I was like, you saw the we're album putting, cover. <laughs> <laughs> we're putting things together. No, no, I didn't. I didn't say connecting dots because that's what it looks like. I did not say that. Please <laughs> believe me. I'm picking at you, man. No, 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 no. no 
I want you to really like, no, that just came out. So it is that, that, that it's a wonderful analogy. Yeah. Well, you know, I've, I think it's so. Please pick on me too, because so then, uh, <laughs> oh, man, you know, you, I let's go. I won't be able to help it. Let's go. That's how I show my love. There's probably a lot here to pick on, SG. That's how I show my love, but uh, okay. yeah, no, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I I like to focus on on things as much as I can get personal in, in my work. I think it's more important to um, hopefully write, you know, material that everyone can find something in for themselves. And I think the subject of trauma and and just the scientific evidence around it is something that none of us can escape from which is um you know trauma is interesting in that we all experience it it can look very different but the way it actually stores and goes through our body Mm. is the same and so i've been in therapy for many many years and i've uh been um, in a, or I've undergone like a type of therapy called EMDR, which was EMDR. A, EMDR. And so, what does that stand for? Oh, God. Don't ask me to finish. It's electromagnetic eye movement. driven no, it's, research. It's no, eye movement, know. something, something. And I can't remember. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'm not right. a poser. I swear to God, I've done this. But anyway, <laughs> but you'll throw around the initials. <laughs> but like I the hate acronyms. Up, um, but anyway, <laughs> it, it, it was a, a form of therapy developed. Um, for, for soldiers who have PTSD. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what scientists have found is PTSD is not just something that a soldier is, experiences. And what this yeah, type sure. of therapy does is actually allows you through brain plasticity to reform the grooves that trauma, when you experience it or are triggered by it actually goes through in your brain the neuropathways exactly so you can through therapy through processing through doing the work mm. actually make trauma you've experienced look differently and feel differently to you and so that's wow. something that you know it, it's an ongoing process you have to be really you know diligent in in that yeah um, i totally buy that mm-hmm. by the way i'm on i'm on that page for sure me just too to make yourself just i'm a big believer yeah i do a lot of work with a personal coach and we talk about just basically b- trying to be in the moment you know Very cool. not yeah. fearing the future regretting the past essentially mm-hmm. really hard to do so hard. train your brain <laughs> yeah you know you got to train your brain i tend to go to the negative quite a bit mm-hmm. i and, mean you know hey, you can I'm train guilty. your brain to not do that yeah and it's you know it's it's a hard hard thing but you know that song i have my closing track off of teeth marks keeper of the time love that song is really what is i would say talking about this and you know um i would say that that song was a not necessarily a bookend, but another chapter to a song I'd written previously called Space and Time, where I was actually dealing with um, some suicidal uh, thoughts. Mm. A lot of people don't realize that about that song because, you know, it's been played at weddings, funerals, all this stuff. And I'm so glad that it's taken on different lives. (laughs) I'm so glad that that's not where the buck stopped, you know. Um, but actually it was really nice to realize and through the pandemic when I wrote, uh, Keeper of the Time, um, it was, you know, kind of apparent to me that, 
Um, there was still more processing that needs to be done and probably processing I will continue for the rest of my life. But I thought it was important for me to write a song for myself first that kind of, you know, circled back around to my personal responsibility of taking control of my mental health and understanding the consequences of, of what would happen to me if I chose not to do that. And that's, that's where that song comes from. And that's, that's one reason I talk about trauma through the album and because I'm a human, I experience it. And so does everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, apart from the music, which is wonderful, there's also that what, what comes to my mind, um, is teeth marks and that analogy, Mm -hmm. you know, holding trauma in your body or coming away from trauma or moving, but then there's this potential physical remainder that is always there just to kind of put one spin on it just because we're talking about the album and the songs. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I like that, you know, the, the song teeth marks on the album, the title track is, uh, it's just one form of like the way love leaves its marks on you. And I I think like when it goes to, you know, keeper of the time, for instance, talking about, uh, processing trauma, that's the way you leave marks on yourself. Yeah, you know, so yeah. it's kind of like that's why I chose to name the album that. And I think each song is representative of a different way love or the lack of it leaves marks on people. And you can actually, it's present. Teeth marks do go away at some point. They can. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Or you can keep biting yourself <laughs> or, or, have some, or allow somebody else <laughs> to bite you in exactly. a, not such a great way. Exactly. Um, but you've also been, um, you know, you, you write quite a bit about, we talked about social and political elements in Kentucky. And one things that I like so much is I think um, I had read that you sort of reflecting on those, reflecting on music as a force of change mm-hmm. that has been historically, you know, played out quite a bit to great effectiveness, um, fortunately. But those that leave the town. Mm-hmm. And those that go away for whatever reason, no judgment. Yeah, exactly. But but I, I really appreciated what you said and um and like what you said about, you know, another way to do that is to stay there mm-hmm. and go out and talk about those issues. Mm-hmm. And 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 you've achieved that. How's what does that kind of look like for you? I mean Or you try to do that. Yeah. Maybe and achieve I, that would be a good question. Yeah, but. and I like what you said uh when you were started talking about this, which is no judgment. For those who, for whatever reason, feel like they can't stay. Mm. And, um, you know, when I say that, I really like to qualify that with saying some people are in physical or mental danger by keeping close to home. Yeah. Um, And so that's not what I'm encouraging anyone to do there. But I do think that, you know, I'm, I'm a southern girl. I'm from a small town. I understand. Believe me, I love this big city amenities. Do you still live there, by the way? I do. I yeah. live. I don't live in Hickman. I live in Murray, Kentucky, which is okay. about an hour away from there. Okay. And the town I went to college in, I have mm-hmm. a house there. And yeah. it's a great place. It's pretty central for touring and cheap. And, yeah. I looked up you know, Murray and I was like, oh, it's like Birmingham's here. Nashville's uh-huh. here. Oh, yeah. I'm Louisville's like. Louisville's here. St. Or, Louis is here. I'm six and a half hours out of Chicago. I mean, that's yeah. a day. That's a great. That's that's not. That's barely driving to one city out west. Right. You know what I mean. So it's like <laughs> we were talking about before. Too yeah, much time in a car, exactly. and especially if you if you walk. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. So it, it's just a great place. You know, I got a little backyard for the animals and stuff. But cool. but ultimately, 
Um, I have a, a story. I, I, to the best of my ability, if I if I can put you know boots on the ground when it comes to like political ventures that I believe in, I, I worked for um, to try to help get Andy Bashir, our current governor, a Democratic governor in an all red state, mm. as our governor. Yeah. I was Is he uh, up and down for election in this in this not, cycle. No, thank God, no. Uh, thank God, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we get to have him for a few more years. How'd you that know? happen? Well, I'll tell you. You know, uh, we had Matt Bevan in there before and um, started just cutting bone with certain um, issues, and then kind of went after public school teachers a bit with their pensions and things. And yeah. so, you know, where I'm going with this is that. I was a part of a team. We made phone calls to all Kentuckians and tried to get Andy Bashir signs in their yard. Well, mm. we had a script. And I was working with ruralorganizing.org, this the out-of-state thing, and they had made a script. And I started in my phone calls and started talking to folks. And um, the thing is, uh, I went off script. Nobody from Kentucky wants to say, hello, is Mark there? Oh, may I speak to Mark, please? Right. Nobody's going to that They know you're not from down the road. You yeah, know what right, I mean? Exactly. And it's like, and, and where I'm going with this is my call log and, and, and like ability to reach people was 10 times more than anyone on that, on my team. And, and they asked me what I was doing. I was like, well, one, I'm not using your script because they know that we're not Right. That they're going to think you're not even a Kentuckian. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I'm I'm saying all this to say that there is power in having people listen to you if they think that you're one of them. Mm. And I think it is a lot you're more likely to have someone give you the time of day if you understand the context in which people form their beliefs yeah. have had, you know, uh different things in their life happen or whatever you will get further if you don't become the other to them. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when it comes to uh, ever having the opportunity to have someone hear you, it's not by, it's by being an, a neighbor and not an outsider. Yeah. And so that's one of the reasons why I do, believe in sticking around right mm -hmm. yeah because you could you could go live in nashville you could go live wherever you I want i have you i've know? lived i've lived in nashville for six and a half months and got the hell out of there yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, nashville's been good to me i made i have wonderful friends there but i live two hours out yeah you and can my, go there whatever you want my house is cheaper than the room i rented there so yeah something i was thinking about was an, an analogous to your music in that um, you know, you were talking about how can I connect with people? They know you're from the South. You, mm -hmm. They know you're from, I don't know if this is a Kentucky accent. I, I, I don't know. But Southern yeah. in general, it sounds okay. Uh -huh. I would never have been able to pinpoint it. It's me, Western me Tennessee, actually. City, city. I'm a, I'm a city slicker. Yeah, yeah. I can't. It just all sounds like South to me. No offense. <laughs> it's just I can't understand anything you <laughs> No, I understand. You were like, oh, there's some people that, that maybe they don't even understand when I'm up on stage. I'm like, it's not that bad. Come on. But that sounded funny, though. Yeah. But the analogy to the music was that you were saying that, look, I don't need to do the Southern twang up there. They know who I am once I open my mouth. Uh -huh. So I like to have like some good swing and some good rock. And these, these musicians are kind of grungy and fun, kind of going back to what your punk roots uh -huh. were, as I understand it from, uh, uh, you know, back, what was the name of the 
Hickmantown, not uh, Hickman. No, not Murray. Hickman. Murray. Murray. Can, yeah. So um, I like that a lot. How Thank you know you. you like you 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 present yourself up there, mm-hmm. but it's kind of um, it's that you don't need to be a Southern player. Because like people yeah. will know once you open your mouth. Yeah, it's like uh, I can't remember this. I don't know if this is an official quote by anybody, but I heard you know if George Jones did a rap song, it'd be it'd be country. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> it'd be like, a different world, it, basically. It, don't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, putting this putting subject matter out there, like with trauma, mm-hmm. opioid crisis. Yeah social issues, political issues, how, how, how it all affects small town life in the South mm-hmm. from whatever perspective you're looking at it, being in, being out there, being on the road, touring, interacting with fans at the merch table or what have you. Um, have you found that you're touching those? Um, and what's kind of some of the feedback that you've got from some of your fans and some of your listeners? Oh man. Um, is it pleasing to you to get out there and hear people talk to you about what you're putting out or is it surprising in some way? It's uh, I don't know if I'd describe it as either of those. I'm going to try to figure out how to describe it because it's yeah. never I figured like you a- wouldn't agree with me, but what you'll come up with is probably going to be way more interesting. I'm just throwing out a couple options. Yeah. For you. That's all <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it's more like, you know, especially with the song, if you were someone I love that does, focus on you know or specifically talks about like the opioid crisis yeah um hearing people who have stories personal experience with losing people with that and wanting to tell me that you know they're glad to feel seen obviously that is a complicated um feeling because i'm glad they do and it's heartbreaking that they needed to be Mm. You know, so it's like, that's difficult. And, um, but that is the power of music and community that it brings. Absolutely. And, um, you know, so that's, uh, I'm, I'm glad that that is reaching people. And I have, I have heard stories that I won't, I would never share on, on a, a podcast or any other form. Uh, really personal stories of people who have connected with that song in particular. Mm. And um, it's, it's powerful and it's a heartbreak. So, you know, that's the only way I think I could describe that right now. Yeah. Just ripping people's families Mm -hmm. apart for no, for Mm -hmm. just. Yeah. It's, it's difficult and, you know, it's, but I think I so strongly believe that music has always been a force for change. And I think, you know, with what I, even I'm saying in that song or have tried my hardest to say is that here's something that's right in front of our faces and it's not being talked about as much as mm. it should be. And mm. I think music is a way that it has to be talked about. And that's, you know, I, I, so I had to write that song. It's your way of talking about getting it out and getting it out there. Mm-hmm. You're someone that's going to mm-hmm. talk about the subjects. You're someone that's going to not avoid mm-hmm. talking about certain things. You mm-hmm. want to have those things out there. Yeah, have you always sure. lived your life like that? Oh, probably. I, I, you know, I've, 
I don't know. I, it's it's interesting. I I never was. Uh, I was raised to tell the truth, mm. and um, also, you know, raised to. I, I was thinking about this story today. My daddy back to the little farming stuff, you yeah. know, with the sharecropper. We had to do since I was a very small child. I've had to make conversation with people a lot older than I am. Mm. And in a way that would be representative of my family and and our um, you know, worth or something to to other people that they were held, sending you out to do like negotiations that, or something. <laughs> no, no, but I probably had the skills to as a small child. Okay, uh, more Somehow like that doesn't surprise me. More like let's say okay, we're out to dinner with some landowners. It's around Christmas. They wanted to stay. You know, I couldn't act like a little hellion around Mister So and So and Miss So and So, and you know it. When before we would go to things like that, you know, we had to act like small adults, and we hmm. we were representing our family yeah. and um and 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 also showing gratitude for the fact that those people allowed you know my dad to farm their land, which put food on our table. So that was a big, you know, you ha- you had to show a lot of respect for that, and in hmm. those moments, and in how you spoke, and in what you talked about, mm-hmm. and um. And so there was, I feel like I have been definitely groomed since a small child uh, to tell the truth. And my daddy would always say before we left somewhere or entered a place that we better act like somebody. And that's what he would tell us. And so I think, you know, uh, my music probably reflects that still. Yeah, well, you said the best way to kind of enact social change, uh, maybe I'm kind of paraphrasing, is to live out the issues in front of others. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what you this album is doing. I hope so. I mean, it'd be, a, you know, I mean, there. it's, a, it's funny. I, I love to, I feel so, currently with me being a, like really hard into touring and, and I won't have a break too much of a break anytime soon Mm -hmm. you know i'm not getting to really be on the farm and be at my house and do Mm -hmm. like uh, the rural stuff that i love and i'm just dying to and so right now i'm like man i feel more like a city cat than i ever have and i i hate it (laughs) (laughs) so are you saying you don't like to be out on tour you just miss there's just kind of that duality going you you miss home i miss home i i love being out on tour there's a lot of things i love but you know i wouldn't mind like a month on month off where i got to you know have a garden so you're hitting pretty hard on this i mean this is your first headlining tour this is the time to hit it hard right oh absolutely i'm i'm definitely honored to work my ass off right now. Right on. You know, so it's like, I'm not complaining, but I'm, I'm, I'm not complaining or bragging. I'm just sharing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, yeah, there's things that you like about being back there. There's things that you, oh, that, yeah. you that, that, I mean, that, I, I mourn the fact that I haven't, I don't have any, I don't even have herbs growing at my house right now. <laughs> I mean, I'll take you over to the Whole Foods my, that's over here. We can go pick some out. Shit, my grandmother's <laughs> rolling around in her grave right now. You know, yeah. Well, so, she'd be proud of you. I hope so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, it's been wonderful. Oh man, thank you. This is great. Thanks for sharing so much, for SJ. Sure. And uh, I really, I really respect what you're doing, and I'm really excited to see your show tonight. 
Well, thank you. It's going to be great. And I'm looking forward to just seeing amazing things out there. And every time I look at your tour schedule now, I'll, I'll, I'll put a, I'll put a thought out there that you want to be back, uh, <laughs> plant, <laughs> plant herbs would, on your windowsill or whatever that I means. I don't tomatoes. know. Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. That's what I want. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I appreciate this so much. This was great. Thanks, SJ. Thank really. You. Thanks for sitting down. Appreciate sure. it. Cheers. Okay, that was me talking with the amazing S.G. Goodman at Shuba's in Chicago. I was really happy to be able to sit down with her and chat. Of course, her new album is entitled Teeth Marks. It's just absolutely amazing. I cannot recommend it highly enough. S.G., is on her first headlining tour. She's pretty much closed out all the U.S. dates on this leg of the tour, but she will be in Europe for those listeners in Europe. Please go to her website to check out uh, those dates. Loves headlining. Uh, she has the freedom to play. She has the freedom to talk, which she does so well. She talked about having no limits at these shows, asking how long she can be out there uh, to be able to relate all these stories to those that are uh, that that are at the show, uh, just absolutely amazing stories, uh, stage amazing stage banter, if you will. But it was uh, it really goes beyond that. And I, like I said, you could hear a pin drop at times when she was talking. And of course, uh, we lost one of the the greats in the music industry, Loretta Lynn, on the exact same date as this gig. And SG proceeded to sing coal miner's daughter acapella at least the first couple of lines and it was just absolutely incredible like i said pin drop i loved how she talked about fan responses how she's been hearing people talk to her about how they feel seen and that really as she said it really speaks to the power of music she covers so many different topics from trauma to the opioid crisis to the difficulty of farming communities and the farming business in the South. Um, and she said how powerful it has been that music is this incredible force of change. And she is seems so honored and so enabled to be able to go out and share her stories with everyone. So glad that you were here for this amazing interview it was actually the first full length non-festival live interview that I had done by sitting down in person with and I'm such an amazing artist like S.G. Goodman. So I'd like to really thank her for that. Uh, we rely on the support of you listeners so that we can keep presenting to you these amazing artists in these type of venues and bring to you those interviews. I'm so honored to be able to do this for you. And uh, we rely on you also to help support Roadcase. And you can do that by following us on the socials. We're at Roadcase Pod or for by subscribing to this on your favorite listening platform or, or rating and reviewing Roadcase on those platforms. So thanks very much for being here. I'm so glad you were along for this one. And I want to send a real special thank you and shout out to S.G. Goodman for being here on this episode of Road Case. Thanks again so much for listening. And I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Roadcase. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests. 
Or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at RoadcasePod. And we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road. Yeah.